If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing the audiobook club to your ears. Hello and welcome to the Audiobook Club. In this week's episode, I'm thrilled to be joined with the wonderful audiobook narrator, singer and actor Anne-Marie Lewis. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for joining me on the show. How are you today? I'm fine and I'm so glad to meet you, John. (laughs) (laughs) It's really nice to meet you too. Um, Now, if we may, I'd love to start right at the very beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got started in the world of performance uh, and of course, audiobooks? (laughs) Well, the world of performance, um, I was always a ham of a child, so I would always be performing in front of my family, Um, just not, I had no uh, qualms about getting up and singing and dancing. Um, I I wanted to be an actress, really had that in mind when I went to college, but um, I ended up studying a program called uh, the program of liberal studies, which right. is a great books program. Um, and I would do it all over again because I learned so much in that program. And I think it equipped me well for, for acting. Yeah. Um, it, it equips one well for just about anything actually. <laughs> um, so, um, but I, but I, I, I did a lot of acting. Actually, my high school had a great, uh, acting uh, course of study that you had to go through in order to get into the theater com- theater company, and yeah. um, I went through all that. I I performed a lot in high school, continued through college, just uh, knowing that I still wanted to be an actor. Yeah. Um, but when I was a junior, I studied in London for a semester, mm-hmm. and one of the little mini courses I could take there was on opera and I thought everybody should know something about opera. So I saw my first opera at ENO, English National Opera, and it was the English version of Così Fan Tutte, which is by Mozart. And um, I thought, I have to do that. (laughs) So so, um, uh, after a a, a kind of a circuitous route, um, I went to... uh, Japan after I graduated from college to see more of the world to to gain some work experience um, just to get make yeah. some money so I could go to grad school and then I went to grad school for opera um, performed for 25 plus years uh, wow. then started branching out into musical theater straight theater then um, got into the world of audiobooks so I've been around <laughs> yeah, wow, that's incredible. Do you think this might be a question for later, really? But I'm going to ask you it now because, <laughs> but if that's okay. So, do you think traveling around, like you know, you say that you mentioned going to London and you went to Japan, you you know, here, there, and everywhere. Do you think that did help you when performing, when having to, you know, you know, characterize or things like that? Do you think that sort of, do you think seeing those and experiencing those things from afar um, bled into later experiences of performance? I. I would say most definitely, um, you know, when, when you get outside of your, your comfort zone, the world, you know, really well, and you go out and see completely different cultures, uh, where people don't speak your language, um, you really, what's, what, what's so wonderful about that is that you really see the commonality in our humanity and that, 
that makes the world so much more of a smaller place. Mm. And it makes and it makes you so much more connected with people who don't share any of your culture or or share any of your uh, shared experiences. But there's still something there that pulls us all together. And I think that that human condition, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot of what I studied in that program of liberal studies, uh, that's what brings us together. And I think that helps inform a performance. You know, yeah. it, it helps you uh, at least lay a foundation for where to start when you start building a, a backstory or a character or, yeah. um, you know, that kind of thing. There's something common to all of us. Hmm. Do you think that relation to other people, to really getting into, um, you know, I guess it's not really yourself getting into that, the piece, whatever you're doing, if it's a, a piece of opera, if it's a you know musical theatre or an audio book, getting into that script, do you think that's what brings you, do you think that's what brings you into performance, that way you enjoy it so much? Um, I... Hmm. I yeah. Why? What? What makes me enjoy that so much? I think it is. I think it goes back to finding that that story to tell in there. You know, mm. whether whether it was in an opera or in an audio book, um, mm. that that something that that I can latch on to um, is what makes me kind of dive into that. And I think that that's what makes me think that others somewhere else in the world <laughs> or even next door to me yeah. they can latch on to as well um yeah. yeah i i also you know my um my father uh is filipino and uh grew up in the philippines and became a naturalized american citizen after world war ii mm-hmm. um and so i kind of had built in to my growing up um ex- exposure to yeah. Um, another culture and uh, I think that that also kind of uh, informed my sort of uh, curiosity about the world and wanting to get out and see more do more yeah yeah that makes a lot Um, of sense I read that you performed, uh, I read that you performed all over the place, really, but the places that caught my eye were the, were the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh, uh, Camden Fringe, uh, Buxton. Those are some uh, pretty special events, especially to those of us in the UK. How was that experience playing those Fringe Festivals? I had, to, uh, well, the, the, the Camden Fringe, I didn't really feel like we were part of, I, I didn't feel like there was a festival going on. We performed in this theatre attached to the hotel that we were actually staying in. Yeah. Really, really nice place. But but the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, there's nothing like that in the world. Um, every have you've been, haven't you? I've been I've been um, not to the actual festival. I've been a week afterwards and seen some aftermath gigs. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. it's one of my uh, it's 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 a real dream to go. So um, um, in all honesty, I don't think the production that I went to the Fringe with belonged there. Um, okay. I, and I'll explain that in a second, but, but, you know, the entire city, well, I mean, the, the old, the old part of the city is basically taken over by all these performers and yeah. almost anything is turned into a venue, a performing venue. It could be a little cafe. It could be, um, an alley between two buildings. You know, it could be <laughs> a big giant tent that has a purple, um, cow on the outside. That's, that's a performing <laughs> venue. Um, but, but, you know, as the word fringe would connote, uh, things are very much on a shoestring budget. 
mm-hmm. you know, um, things that might be in the very infancy in develop in development. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of these shows will become bigger uh, shows after they kind of test things out at the fringe. Well, I <laughs> I went with uh, an opera company based in Chica- here in Chicago, mm-hmm. and the the woman who started this company took Jane Austen's persuasion and she adapted it into a musical using the music that Jane Austen referred to in her journals or actually wrote out some of in her journals. Um, so there were no issues of, um, of um, copyright infringement. It's all public domain music. Uh, so anyway, our show was a full-blown, it was like a big operatic cast, yeah. uh, mostly operatic singers, although it's a musical. Um, we had a 10-piece orchestra. Um, we had full period costumes, gorgeous wigs. Some of us, like me, I had more than one wig. Um, so this was not a typical fringe uh, <laughs> production. Yeah. Um, and we only did, like a lot of fringe shows will run for several weeks. You know, we we ran for three performances, hmm. um, but it was great to be part of it. Yeah, it was just a great experience. I bet, I bet. What did you think of What do you think of Edinburgh and being around being oh, in Scotland? I, I I I loved it. I loved I loved everything about it. I loved Scotland. I loved we we also performed in Aberdeen that year. We were Ooh, in Aberdeen. And then we were in Edinburgh. And then a couple years later, was it? We went back to Aberdeen and then we went to Stirling and performed at the university there. Um, uh, You know, us Americans love coming over to England, to the UK, to see everything old, you know, (laughs) because (laughs) old for us is 200 years old. You know, for you guys, you're like, that's like, that's nothing, you know. uh, and and being able to see the castle was so so much fun to explore and and uh, the ghost tours we love all oh, that yeah. stuff you know yeah. um, uh, and uh, we uh, when we were in Aberdeen we uh, my my uh, my travel mate and I my roommate for the trip she and I uh, took a bus out to um, the estuary so we could go see the seals. Oh, nice. There are hundreds of seals out there yeah. and uh, had a great, you know, great time doing that. We we, we just, yeah, we really enjoyed the, our time in Scotland. Well, basically, we just love being in the UK. <laughs> so <laughs> That's really nice to hear. We always say uh, folks come um, in sort of uh, middle England, in the kind of centre of it. And then um, we go up to Scotland quite a lot on holiday. And we always think that it always kind of looks pretty much the same as England, you know, all this sort of landscapes and things. And then as soon as you pass kind of... Uh, St Andrews and you kind of go up to the Highlands it's it's like another world like that is where you know Outlander the TV show kind of comes into right. it and you're like yeah I love it right <laughs> right it is different and it, it, and and someday I want you know, hopefully I don't know if, if our show will ever go back but I have got to get to Sky I have to oh yeah I have it's to amazing. get up there yeah it's amazing um, I could, yeah, I think this this should be a travel show instead. Yeah, <laughs> the, let's talk about so, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about places in the UK. <laughs> um, so uh, move, moving uh, on to audiobooks uh, specifically. So uh, with your with your performance background, your, your opera background, and things, I, I can certainly see why audiobooks uh, might have appealed to you. What is it about audiobooks as a medium that keeps you coming back to recording? Uh, well, uh, this may be an answer that a lot of 
narrators say is that, you know, uh, in, especially in fiction, mm-hmm. I get to play all the parts. <laughs> I, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I'll go to a show and I say, oh, I wish, you know, he or she had done this or that with that character. They kind of missed that opportunity. Yeah. And then, and then, um, uh, I get to go in the booth and do all the characters myself and someone else can say I missed an opportunity on, <laughs> on a character or something. But, um, that's one of the, that's one of the wonderful things about audio being an, a narrator mm-hmm. for audiobooks, um, is that I get to, I get to explore, uh, inside all these characters heads for a while, you know, and live yeah. in their, you know, walk in their shoes. And, um, I just, I love that. I love being able to do that. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I know exactly from from uh, my own experience. That's definitely the part, um, one of the parts that I enjoy the most. Um, when it comes to character voices, do you rely on a specific process for creating them? Can you can you tell us a little more about where you draw voices from, perhaps? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm still you know I'm still kind of new in this compared to a lot of my colleagues and you um but uh i mean the first place is what did the author write you know and Mm -hmm. and uh what it's especially if they're specific about a sound or an accent but the other thing is you know the the character his or herself kind of pushes you uh, me in a direction a certain direction what kind of energy do they have Mm -hmm. you know what kind of um outlook do they have you know are they are they an outgoing person are they reserved um are they are they a bundle of nerves um do they have um uh, a commanding presence and feeling a lot of that Mm -hmm. is what kind of informs how i approach the character voice but Another thing I'm starting to do a little bit more of is getting out of the booth and physicalizing the right. character so yeah. that I can I can sort of put that imprint on my in my brain of how that person carries themselves Be- because I've noted I've noticed um in my travels I sound like some <laughs> old I am old but a seasoned traveler um when you, when you study another language, for example, Japanese, mm-hmm. you'll see that there's a lot of physicality that goes into how that person speaks their language. Yeah. So a Japanese person is not going to like just sit with their legs spread apart and shoulders broad and talk to you. There's Especially a woman would never be like that. There's a lot more of this bringing, kind of pulling in. Right. physically of themselves and yeah. there's a lot of very sort of I don't want to um, allow my personality to kind of jump out at you so there's a lot right. of this pulling back kind of feeling you know yeah. so you know I've not and then if you talk to somebody who's Italian you know there's <laughs> there's a whole different um, physicality hap- happening so I I think that 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 happens a lot just within our own culture you can see how people's um the way they they handle them handle themselves uh their deportment informs their voices in some ways too so that's why um i'm trying to get out of the booth a little bit more and add movement you know how does this guy walk how does this guy sit um what would this guy you know how does this guy drive you know if there's yeah 
if there's driving in the in the book, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. So that is so interesting that you say. That. I never, I've never really thought about it. You know, with the different, um, you know, the kind of cultures affect like people body positions and affects the affects the kind of the language really. Have you um have you always been kind of interested in 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 language in in um. You know, yeah. I think I have. I, you know, what I think it goes back to. I have to blame, thank my father for that. <laughs> but um, so my, the name I grew up with, my last name, uh, is was Hanairo, and it's and it's spelled J A N A I R O. No nice. one could ever, no one could ever <laughs> pronounce it. No one. It's. I think it's. It's. I mean, it's it's definitely it's definitely a Filipino name because I don't know that it looks a lot like Janeiro, like Rio de Janeiro, mm. or Rio de Janeiro. But um, anyway, it's not spelled the same. And um, I I think there's a lot of Filipino or Portuguese influence in that name. There, there were a lot of explorers and settlers in the Philippines from mm. Europe. But um, I think because I had to explain so many times my last name to people to how to pronounce it correctly explain that it's filipino i became a lot more sensitive to other people's names right and and being able to pronounce them correctly yeah and in that i started having to learn you know maybe nuances of polish or german or you know names that would russian you know names that would be a little bit more um uh challenging for you know, yeah. regular old American from the Midwest. Um, so I think I think that I, I think that might be where I kind of got an interest in that. You know, in opera too, you have to study uh, multiple languages. The the romantic, well, most of the romantics, like Italian, of course, French, yeah. uh, Latin, and then German is a very commonly sung language and. Um, you need to be able to know how to analyze the text and right. be able to pronounce it. You should yeah. be you should you should be pretty good at speaking it. I am not good at speaking <laughs> German. Um and I'm okay not great at Italian, but French I can kinda get away with. Japanese I can speak, but um but anyway, I think being exposed to all those languages too kinda gave me an interest in um accents yeah you know uh, understanding sounds i love yeah. the international phonetic alphabet i don't not every narrator is into the ipa but it's a great tool it's great it's just because there's no question about if the symbol is a certain sound and that's what it is that symbol yeah. is always that sound yeah. if if you say to a native speaker of english can you um write out phonetically you know however is comfortable for you like you know, like some of the the names that we were dealing with, like the yeah. I'm trying to remember in a, one last book, like uh, oh, you didn't have to do it. I can't. Remember I know what you mean. Name. I can't remember what it was. But, but I, oh, well, I struggled uh, spelling out. Yeah. <laughs> well, like well, for example, even uh, Natalia. Yeah. Uh, Natalia. I wanted to make sure she wanted it pronounced Natalia, uh, but this happens a lot when I ask authors. They don't know. IP. There's one author I've worked with who does know IPA. I love her, but I don't dislike the other authors. But, but the author, the authors will often just kind of you know as they, with what their brain understands, they would write it out that way, um, mm -hmm. with no indication of which syllable is stressed. Yeah. 
So that's always a problem. But if you had the IPA at, at, at your disposal, there's no question about what the sound is, you know? Yeah. So anyway, that's I think my that's little. A good, I think that's a good tip. I never, um, just going back to the, about having to understand, obviously you understand languages if you're singing, if it's in a piece of opera, um, understanding language, understanding the words and understanding, putting that meaning in. There must be a lot of research that has to go into it. A There's lot a lot of, of prep. Yeah. You know, it's funny now that I think about it. There's a lot of prep before you should get up and start singing in these languages. If you don't know yeah. what you're singing, you should not be singing it. So it's kind of the same way with audiobooks. I mean, if you've not yeah. read, if you've not read that book, and you have not done the research required, you should not be recording that book, you know? Yeah, 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 100%. Well, that brings me on to um, the idea of pre-production. So whenever we get uh, the pleasure of, uh, of having a narrator onto the show, um, the majority of questions I get asked um, to ask the guest uh, is actually about pre-production, um, prepping the script, uh, logging character voices, etc. Can you walk us through your process of pre-production? Well... Um, okay, I'm going, I'm starting another process right now. Um, and I just got the script and it's, I like, I like to use notability. I know a lot of, um, uh, narrators use, I annotate, which is an Mm -hmm. app that you can mark up a script with. And, um, I just, I'm not comfortable with that. So I use notability, which is like, I annotate. Um, but I like my script in a PDF form. So, um, the, the, the way this script was delivered to me came like the um, the uh, iBooks. It looks like it was an EPUB, yeah, a dot yeah, EPUB yeah. thing, yeah. Which, I mean, I could use, and then it also came as I don't even know what the other format was. But when when I have to give it to a proofer and we can't talk about the same page number and it's a yeah. problem. So yeah, yeah. that's the first thing I need a PDF. <laughs> um, and then and then I always sit down with the book and I read it. And I what I'm reading for is enjoyment for mm-hmm. for you know, what what the impact the book will have on me. Okay. What, what kind of of overall tone and message um feeling is in the book. But I'm still working because I'm also mm-hmm. jotting down all the characters that I'm going to need to pay attention to. Um jotting down or marking up words I don't know or I need to double check place names especially mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing um, once I finish that then I go back look up stuff try to uh, also I like to involve if I can because you can't always do this involve the author and okay. and say hey author um, so we've got these are the, these are a lot of the main characters you know tell can you share with me your idea if you were going to cast this person mm-hmm. um, in in a movie who would be your your ideal cast for these different characters yeah. and that's not that's not so much for me to become an impersonator of a famous actor for that character that's mm-hmm. more for me to gather a sense of of character rather than you know i'm going so, i'm i'm just yeah. okay yeah i'll be Brad Pitt for this guy <laughs> and and yeah. Jennifer Aniston for that woman and no it, it doesn't work that way um and then um i also like to find out um if these char- if there's if there's a series what characters are going to come back what characters do i have to make sure that i can do a sustainable voice yeah. 
yeah, for, yeah, yeah. right? Because it hasn't happened yet to me, but I've heard horror stories about narrators who have this really like voice like this for yeah. like a minor character who just showed up and bought bought some cigarettes and left. And then yeah. in the next book, they're the main character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've you heard can't that as well. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot sustain that voice. So you know, I ask those kinds of things. So in in prep, sometimes I I I well, I like to if I can involve the author. Sometimes you can't, so um, then you're you're kind of kind of you have carte blanche, I guess, basically to yeah. just explore different characters. Um, yeah, but that's so that's kind of. There's a lot of helpful tips there um, that I would really suggest to anyone listening um, to consider if you're not already taking those on. Now I've had uh, the pleasure of working on a few dual narration projects with you uh, and I wanted uh, to again come back to the pre-production side of things. When working with another narrator such as myself who's on the other side of the pond, um, can you explain the process of prepping the script, what you need from the other narrator, what you send them etc. Um, because I think it can be daunting for narrators who have perhaps only worked solo before. So when someone else comes on board and says, kind of what, can you just talk us through your process of, and, and also how to be a good, you can teach me how to be a, a better dual narrator, other narrator. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know that I can teach you much, John, because you've, oh. you're my only do partner so far <laughs> but 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 um but no i think i i've learned in our process though of going through um part of when i'm when I, if i if i'm prepping a book and i know i have a partner um i need to find those places in my partner's text mm -hmm. that overlap with mine so mm -hmm. i have to read the whole book i mean you have to read the whole book yeah. anyway yeah but um but for example uh Maybe there's a name we we had a discussion about this. There, maybe there's a name that I say um, that my partner is also going to mention in in his or her text. We have to make sure that we're pronouncing these things the same way. Yeah. Um, we need to see how we're approaching characters. Like for example, a book we just did. There are some characters that I voice that um, you never ever touch, mm. and and then there's there are characters that I voice that you are are very are very important in your voice. So in that in that case, we've got yeah. to kind of be on the same page. Yes. And sure, I think yeah. it's it's important to share, I think, um not only the uh the actual like what your approach you could record what your approach to a certain voice is and share it with me or I can do vice versa. But it's also important to to kind of share your take on the character. Mm-hmm. Because that, more than anything, is what informs how that voice speaks, you know, yeah. how you deliver the dialogue. Um, and especially, I want to try exploring this more later on in my career, but I'd like to be able to do sort of the Scott Brick approach to voices where he doesn't actually have a voice for the different characters. It's all an intent. It's right. all, it's all, you know, he doesn't really change his voice. He may hmm. soften his voice a little bit more for a, a woman's voice. But, um, but anyway, that, what, what, what that speaks to is the ability to be able to create a character completely on, completely on, based on uh, that, the, the, the characterization rather than relying on just the voice. So yeah. 
So that is always part of, of developing a character, in addition to maybe making a character that has more backward back placement or forward placement or or more nasality or um, a yeah. lisp or, you know, those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think, I think yeah. it's good to, to have a discussion about, you know, who these people are with your partner. Yeah. Yeah, I find that um, I find the whole thing really fascinating, especially what you're saying about um, Scott Brick and his approach to it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it just sort of shows that, um, you know, it's, it's art at the end of the day, isn't it? There's no one way to oh, go yeah. about it. It's all, yeah. you know, there's so many different avenues to go down. Um, speaking of Scott, uh, Scott, does Scott Brick do coaching? I think he does, doesn't he? Yes, he does. does. Yeah. So speaking yes. of coaching, if I can link this, I saw that you recently attended Sean Pratt and Johnny Heller's Weekend Workshop. Is that I right? I did. I did. Yeah. Their yeah. names, um, as I'm sure you can imagine, have popped up on this podcast um, a lot as inspirations and great coaches, etc. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your experience attending uh, one of those events? Well, I, I actually, I can, I can uh, tell you about uh, Sean Pratt's mm-hmm. 14 uh, session course of nonfiction study. Um, I, uh, I started that um, January of 2021. And um, it's a gr- it's a great analysis of of how to do audiobook yeah. uh, narration for non nonfiction, but it, he also Sean also gives you all kinds of business insight, hmm. um, how to figure out your brand, how to market your brand, how to manipulate social media, um, how to uh, to build your, your, how to build your brand. I don't know how to find your brand, you know, this kind of thing. And, uh, um, I think it's a, a great thing for narrators to look into, even if you think you're only going to be doing fiction, because the things you learn in his nonfiction course of study are completely applicable Mm. in, in fiction. Um, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's and you know I always felt like if you don't work hard for something, then it, it probably wasn't really worth it. <laughs> you Absolutely. Know? Yeah. So, but um, but about this workshop this past weekend, um, that was Sean and Johnny, Sean yeah. Pratt and Johnny Heller. They uh, Johnny grew up in the Chicago area, so it was like coming home for him. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Uh, they have very, very different approaches to coaching, and they even characterized it as Johnny is tactical and Sean is more strategic. Okay. Johnny gets right in there with you, and he kind of, as you're, you know, um, reading, he'll come right in and he'll say, no, stop, go back, do this, you know, try to work this out, think of this, do, he's like molding you, helping you. As you're going through it, Sean's approach is a little bit, little different than that, mm-hmm. um, and it's and it's uh, it's nice that you have the two of them in a workshop together because they they really complement each other. Yeah, yeah. It, there's a lot of a lot of great insight from them on on all sorts of things. I did not attend Sean's. So there were two days. One first day was fiction, and the second day was nonfiction. And because I just graduated from the Ginger Yoda Dojo, <laughs> uh, Sean even said, "Don't don't come on Sunday. Just come back to socialize with us," which is what I did. Yeah. But it, you know, there's a there's a lot to um, 
You know, there's a lot of acting involved in 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 nonfiction reading, um, and you, a lot of people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you basically are the voice of that author, you know. And sometimes it's almost like you're giving the TED talk, and you need to have that perspective. Um, so you're using your acting chops all the time mm-hmm. in nonfiction. And when people tell you, oh, yeah, you know, AI, they can just do all the, the nonfiction stuff. No, I disagree yeah. completely. They can't. AI cannot do it. There's a lot. In, in, in studying with Sean, too, you find there's a lot of nuance. There's irony. There's sarcasm. There's humor yeah. in nonfiction writing. And who's going to pick that up? But humans, right? Yeah. Humans are going to pick that up. Humans yeah. are going to be able to 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 put it into the recording. Um, uh, yeah, no. But Sean gives you a lot of great tools for analysis, for understanding different the different voices you have to use. Not, I don't mean like character voices, but yeah. um, the different kinds of approaches. Like, am I am I speaking now as like a teacher? Or am I now um, doing more of an anecdote? Or is this part just uh, presentational, like, you know, chapter one, this is, you know, the exploration of pi r squared, you know, you know, you know, know, whatever. Uh, There are, you have to, you have to be able to find those, those voices. Um, Yeah. yeah. That's super, super interesting. I'm so eager to join one of those uh workshops myself um i've i've been see, sort of seeing pictures of uh many of my narrator friends um <laughs> sort of joining them over the last few months and you know now that we're out of covid a lot you know a little bit um and i've just been getting so much envy i keep uh i was saying to tom jordan who um went to one um a few I think a few years ago, um, he went to one when they've just sort of started setting up and they were talking about coming over to the UK. And I was like, oh, please, please. <laughs> we know Sean, Sean is over at the UK every couple of months, right? Yeah, yeah. Because his lady friend lives in, yes. I guess, kind of in the Cotswolds area or I don't know, somewhere near Bath. But yes. um, uh, he's got to ha- do it. He's got to do something in the UK, you know? I th- yeah, I think I, I had his lady friend on the podcast last week. <laughs> the- I love Anna. I love Anna. <laughs> it was really, really good. That's out on Friday, um, by the way, viewers. Okay. Um, but the, but the, uh, I'll, I'll but yeah. listen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just, um, I keep saying, I keep saying, oh God, I want to I go to one. I want to do the, you know, because it, it's part of the community aspect of it. Because audio, audio narration can be a really lonely job in some respects. You can spend hours on end uh, without any human contact or even leaving the cold, dark booth. Um, or at least that's my experience. How important is it for uh, narrators to, to reach out and join uh, a fellow narrator community? Oh, it's super important. Oh, my goodness. I can't tell you. So when I started, I didn't really, I mean, I kind of gave you a big, giant background of my performing <laughs> my performing life. But I didn't really say that when I, I first started audio and audiobook narration, um, I, well, when I, what, let's back up a little bit. I listened to a lot of audiobooks and it mm. took me, I don't know why I was so dim about this, but it took me a while to realize, oh my gosh, they're all actors. Almost all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're actors. I'm like, why am I not doing this? So um, not knowing how to get into that, I'm like, well, it's it's 
it's it's part of the voiceover industry, I think. And there's an acting school. There's a couple of acting schools in Chicago, but this one I went to, they had a, a an int or VO level one course. So I took that class thinking maybe they'll explore audiobooks. Well, they didn't. <laughs> the, she, the, the instructor's like, I don't really know anything about audiobooks. So she was honest about that. But um, about a month after the, the course finished, she contacted me and said, hey, there's an actor friend of mine, and I didn't know this, but now I do, who teaches how to get started on ACX yeah. uh, class. So I took that class. And, um, and he's... It was good. I, it, he got me started. But he was also very much like, this is how I'm doing it is how you need to do it. So right. follow yeah. everything I'm doing, and that's how it's done. Uh -huh. So from book one, I'm thinking I did it, I did it just how he was telling me, Technic, the, tech, the, the, the technical aspects of recording. Yeah. Um, I did exactly what he said. So I was recording in stereo, and I couldn't figure out how to make it mono. And his, his were all in stereo, too. And then he would take it from, like, GarageBand, record it in GarageBand, and then we'd go over to Audacity to yeah. edit. And so after I did this for a couple of books, I'm like, well, first of all, I don't like that. Why am I using two? Audacity, I can record in Audacity. Why don't I just record there? So yeah. then I started doing that. And then I started thinking, I don't like how I'm reading. I don't like, I don't like how I'm doing these these books yeah. i don't like my 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 narration technique i had no idea there was a whole world of of coaches out there so i started i started as this is how it, it happened i started looking at different daws uh -huh. digital audio workstations for the non <laughs> the, the non audio book narrator community um and and as I started looking at DAWs, I started looking at people saying, well, so-and-so uses this and so-and-so likes that. And like, who are these people? And I started looking at who these people were. And I realized there's, there's there, I think the first name I came across was Pat Fraley, um, who's a, a big uh, narration coach. I, I have not coached with him. And he right. often pairs up with Scott Brick uh -huh. to do um, coachings. And I just started realizing and, and poking into more places on the internet like there are coaches out here people who can help me and I had no idea I mean I got plopped like right in the middle of this audiobook narration world and then I you know eventually the blinders started to come off and I'm like oh my gosh so so and there's so much um there is so with community. Going back to your question, uh, there is so much, uh, such a, a wealth of information available yeah. from other people's experience, or or they can point you in the direction of other people who can help in all different aspects too: technical, mm -hmm. recording, uh, processing, as you know, uh, post production aspects to actually how to make the text come alive. Yeah. So I, I and then. There's a there's a little Facebook group in Chicago of narrators that I I found. Sean Sean Pratt was the one. He's like, you got to find that. You got to get on that little group. Um, and it's been a great resource because I've had questions pop up um, that they they've been so good about and patient <laughs> about yeah. answering. And if you're by yourself in your booth all the time, you know, you're not gonna get you're not gonna become a better narrator. Yeah. 
yeah. by yourself. Yeah. It, it, it takes other ears to help you along in that journey. And we all want to be better. We want to be, right, the best we can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I do think... I couldn't yeah. agree more. I think the community is such an important aspect of it. Um, and it's really nice as well because I think re- narrating an audiobook is quite a, a unique challenge to take on. And I don't think that folks who don't, have never narrated an audiobook quite understand the amount of work, the amount of effort that one has to put into the craft. So I think that meeting with you know like-minded people, the people who've done that before, um, just on a on a human level, it can be quite nourishing. Uh, yeah. Not to mention all of the advice and all of the you know everything that being a part of that community can bring you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Just before, because I've not. My gosh, it's, we've been doing this for. <laughs> oh, that went quick. Yeah. <laughs> we just before we run out of time. Uh, have you any projects coming up in the future that you're excited for that you can uh, perhaps tell us about? Well, it's it's. It's this next book I'm I'm prepping. Um, I'm a little I'm a little scared of it because <laughs> um, I I narrated a, a five books for these authors. Uh, it's it's a, a man and woman who uh, I think the books, at least I know the the one that I I narrated was originally a, a screenplay. Yeah, and then they put it into a novel form, so it's. It's dialogue heavy. I mean, yeah. really dialogue heavy, and it has over a hundred. It had that that last one over a hundred and twenty characters, and it took place in Jamaica in seventeen or oh, sixteen sixteen eighty nine. So it's all about pirates, wow. and <laughs> and all these people from all over the world, explorers and pirates and and and. And then there's like the the British government officials, and then there's um, French government officials, and then there's I mean Germans and Dutch and uh, uh, the Spaniards, and then there's some a few Americans who ended up down in this area. So um, that's what I'm getting ready to prep is another book of that sort of series. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for that challenge, but I'm also scared. <laughs> My gosh, yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, that was. I mean, it's also like a great. Uh, it's really great to get some accents down as well as some new ones. If it's quite yeah, a well, I mean, well traveled book, I guess. If they're if they're good, yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not, you know, I I, yeah. I I don't ask me to. Do, I hope there's no Russians. I hope there are no Russians in this book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, well, um, the best of luck with it. Thanks. But I, you know what? I wanted to offer a piece of advice, and I, I, I just thought this might be a good f- place to do that. Um, sure. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of narrators listening. I hope they are. Most of them. <laughs> but, but here's here's something that I wanted to share. I've I've heard a lot of this happening when I go into like Clubhouse or even um, watching people when we have Zoom chats. Mm-hmm. Someone like before uh, a narrator gets ready to to start reading. They like to do something that is really not good for your your vocal cords. And they like to do this really violent throat clearing. They like to go, <clears throat> and I just like to say now, see, now it's going to bother me because I shouldn't have done that. But I'd like to say that you should not ever, ever do that, ever, because your vocal cords are so tiny and delicate. And when you slam them together like that really, really hard, 
you're irritating them. And when you irritate them, they're going to create a protective layer of mucus, which is what you're trying to get rid of in the first place. Yeah. And um, the best way to... I learned this in grad school in for opera, because, you know, opera singers... They're very, very, very protective of, of, of the voce. Um, <laughs> um, you, there is a, there is a, a gentle way to th- clear throat, clear the throat, but it's not satisfying. I will say that right now. But what you do is you, as you swallow, you have to swallow, and as you swallow, you kind of do a very gentle. I don't know if you can hear that, but I'm just kind yeah, of yeah. letting a puff of air go through, and I'm kind of gently closing the cords a little bit as you swallow. Add some water. Yeah. Be very gentle. But as soon as you start doing that really violent throat clearing, you're going to start the whole process of, of irritating the cords yeah. and then having to clear them again because you're going to have more mucus. Um, and I think one of the things to... to to analyze about yourself is if you find that you've you've got a lot of gunk there and when you're in the booth watch yourself when you're outside the booth and see what you do in the normal course of the day Uh because I bet 10 to 1 that you're just doing this violent throat clearing when you're outside the booth as well you know so if you can get yourself in the habit of gentle throat clearing all the time will mean that you won't have this buildup of mucus um, once once you get into the booth. In addition to staying hydrated, <laughs> in addition to not having too much caffeine or alcohol, yeah. you know, but yeah. or, or smoking. Um, yeah. But um, I, I just wanted to say that because I've heard so many of my colleagues just get ready to read and they go, <clears throat> like, no, don't do that. <laughs> I've never heard that before, and it makes so much sense. Um, thank you very much. I think that will help a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, that's that's where our that those little those those little tiny pieces of tissue. That's how we make our money. Yeah, and no, if they're not if they're not healthy, you're you're screwed, right? So absolutely, we, we've got to take care of them. Yeah. So be be a gentle throat clearer. How's that? <laughs> I think that's perfect. I think it's a perfect way to end. Uh, that just about <laughs> that just about does it for this week's episode. Thank you so much um, for joining us. Uh, all of the relevant links to social media accounts, uh, websites, etc., uh, can be found in the show notes. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, John. It's been a delight. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices. If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening.